everybody. Welcome to episode 119 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robinson. And mm-hmm. today, very excited today, we have a, a very special guest. Yeah, so we we talked about his documentary feature yep. in episode 112. Yes. And uh, then we actually got him on now. So <laughs> Yeah. So who are you? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Jeffrey. <laughs> Hey, it's a very, um, very uh, lovely flowery intro you gave me. I don't know that I was deserved it, but thanks. Oh, that's flowery. Very I'm... special guest. <laughs> no, it is because we wa- we watched it, yeah, and then we reviewed it, yeah, because we loved it. We rarely re- will review stuff we don't like. Um, yeah, well, it's. I mean, lovely. you were so kind as well. You didn't have to be so kind. Well, it was it was really entertaining. See, Paul is he has an aversion to. No, so my relationship with documentaries is like my relationship to <laughs> exercise in that I never want to do it, but then once I get in there, I'm all about it. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to start. That analogy. Yeah, I don't want to start totally. it, but like, 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 because I, I, you know, I want to talk to you about this, but I've been running lately, and so uh, back, I've been back to running and stuff, and so like, you never want nice. like it's you're sitting there and you're like, I don't want to run. And then once you start, you're like, I don't want to stop running. You know, it's like a weird thing. I always thing. want to stop running. I don't know. <laughs> Unless that <laughs> well, was chasing me. I know what me. you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know 100%. You always feel amazing after the fact. It's just getting off the sofa. That's the hard part. Right? Yeah. So, so that's how I feel about documentaries. So the documentary was Once is Enough, which, which we did talk about. Yep. And um, so I, I snuck it on him by starting it. Uh, when I knew he was going to have a break from yeah. work and I was like, I'm going to just put this oh, on. And uh, cause he'll always like, it's sit always there. like bait. She'll put on a documentary. <laughs> and if it's something I'm interested in, I always end up grad. Yeah. Gra- he'll no. start off on his phone. So I think like the first five minutes or so um, you were still like walking around and then like you sat down, he was on his phone. And then like, I kept noticing his eyes diverting to the screen and then they would stay there longer. And I was like, I got him. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was in and then he was it's like something happened you have to do like work or something you're like can you pause this i was like all right he's in because then he asked me to pause it so he yeah. wants to watch this <laughs> well um, documentaries are tough you can you know you can get to the end of a documentary and not really be that moved or yeah. compelled or you can get to the end of a documentary and just be sobbing or inspired yeah. or motivated yes. um you never you never really know what you're gonna get so i I think that's a fair, a fair uh, aversion, Paul. Yeah. I love. Well, I'm, I love I'm a sucker for a, a story like this. You know, when people, you know, quote unquote, overcome something, or, or I shouldn't say overcome, but you know, accomplishment. Yeah, when you when there's a clear arc, when something, you know, um, so something like this, where it's very dry, and this and the style of it too was very unique, and I, I didn't. No, you know, it's like half documentary, kind of a stand-up special sort of thing in there as well. And I love that. It's just so different. It's not something you see very often. Because um, so you're, you're also a comedian. Yeah, yeah, actor, comedian type. And I had, well, I lived in, as we just mentioned, I had lived in New York for a while, but I had moved to L.A. Uh, my mom passed away of obesity-caused heart disease. And I, uh, career-wise, I had started in theater, and the last few years before she passed away, I had been kind of transitioning towards doing more stand-up and improv. And um, just as things were kind of starting to gain momentum, uh, she passed away, and I was in Missouri mm-hmm. for I don't know, five months, something like that. And nothing puts the brakes on a career, <laughs> like disappearing from the market for yeah. six months. 
So uh, I, I decided I wanted to move to LA, and I got to LA, and I wasn't in a great mind space. You know, mm-hmm. I was pretty, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. It wasn't the. Wasn't my prime, and all I wanted to do was like disappear into the woods to go run and tell jokes. And one of my friends kind of uh, let a spark when they're like, "What if like could you you're you're kind of running a little too much? Are you sure this is safe? Uh, you're not. You're never an athlete. Is it safe for someone to just start running this much?" Um, and uh, all you want to do is, is 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 run and tell jokes. Like, can you do something that's maybe constructive? <laughs> those two things, and uh, and yeah, I just had the idea. I was like, whoa, wow, what if I could? What if I could throw all these things together yeah. uh, into one into one film? You know, I, I grew up in the theater and um, uh, have always loved the juxtaposition of comedy and tragedy, like mm. just smashed right against yeah. each other. There's nothing I think. Um, the most memorable parts of movies for me are always the moments that I'm either crying and then someone slaps me across the face with a joke yeah. or, or the opposite or when things are just like hilarious and silly and instantly like mm-hmm. every, everything turns. I love those moments. And so I thought this was a fun opportunity structurally to do that. Yeah. To, you know, the, the most of the documentary footage is fairly intense um, and emotional. Um, and so I thought it would be fun uh, creatively to mm-hmm. experiment with how to kind of manipulate the rest rise and fall of the, yeah. the storyline yeah and it was it was fun it was it was fun to um it was fun to craft it from that way we obviously filmed all of the documentary stuff first mm-hmm. so it was cool after that to take a look at all of the footage see what we had see where the holes were mm-hmm. um and then you know it's not very often you get to kind of uh, you know documentaries are so tough because you you typically just shoot 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 yeah. shoot and then at the end hope that you've got something to piece the story together yeah yeah and we were lucky that we you know we had a lot more control over the storytelling so we kind of got to cheat in that regard <laughs> <laughs> and then you had um you had this this moment in your stand up where you let everyone take a a glimpse of your gams and oh yeah they're gorgeous <laughs> by the way hey, I, you I have the most beautiful leg i've ever seen <laughs> like when you turned around and your calf came i was like wow that is, like if someone would model what a, a perfect muscle yeah, yeah. in a leg would look like you should be a calf model <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish desperately that that was a job <laughs> because I, I would love to have that job. Yeah. My grandma used to say, if you got it, flaunt it. And that's all I got are Hello. decent calves. So I show them off every chance I get. Shorts in the winter. Yeah. Yep. I get it. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, so that like th- this was such a fun thing to watch because we were like, literally it was like ash cheeks clenched as you went through these moments and you know, uh, that, that first time when it seems like you weren't going to make your time, I think mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And we like, cause I never realized how final it is. It's just like, oh yeah, you have to get in here in this time. And if you do, if you make it three seconds past that time, you're out. And it's like, but what do you mean? I've made it yeah. this far. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm that's just such out. Weird, that's it. I never like, knew that. That's so traumatic. Yeah. And it's especially your first couple uh, 50 milers 100 milers whatever kind of ultra marathon you're doing which i guess we haven't even like mentioned the premise yet i just kind of jumped right in well you My know, mom go back had... to episode 112 <laughs> yeah. listen to it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah you uh, give us give us a quick uh, a quick uh synopsis synopsis if you will of how that <laughs> came to be 
Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, I lost my mom, as I mentioned, to, to heart disease. Um, I was six foot two, 346 pounds uh, when she passed away and just got a slightly irrational fire lit under my ass to run a 100 mile ultra marathon. Um, as one does. And then as, as one does. And then <laughs> creatively, I was like, oh, I've, I've been wanting to do more film projects and nobody's asking me to be a part of theirs. So should I do my own? Uh, and I had the idea to, to, to make a hybrid documentary comedy film juxtaposition thing. Mm-hmm. So that's once is enough. Um, but I was about to answer a question that I've forgotten. <laughs> what did you ask me? Oh, God, I don't even know. Hmm. What was it? Oh, it was the, the finality of not meeting your time. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was just going to say that, you know, the first couple times that you do one of those huge runs, it's such a big deal because <laughs> for obvious reasons. You know, there are people who do it all the time. There are people who do 10, 1,500 milers a year. Yeah. Um, and so for them, it's no big deal. But your first time, like, you need a crew. Uh, you need people to come help you. Uh, for those who don't know, because I don't know why anyone would, uh, a, a crew for ultra running is essentially kind of like a NASCAR pit crew, basically. They go to all the aid yeah. stations and they're there. Like, those gals were like, there for you. They were there. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's really easy to underestimate you know everyone focuses on oh somebody's running 100 miles but they're essentially awake for 48 hours right. having to feed you and feed themselves mm-hmm. try to fit in some sleep so you really can't discount uh <laughs> how uh rough it is for them as well it's a group but effort it is a definitely a group effort but getting back to your question those first few times you do it are such a big deal for me uh, my family had come from Missouri to Colorado. We had flown our crew, which was small, but we had like six or seven people that we had to travel to Colorado. It was such a, you know, just such an ordeal. It's, mm-hmm. it's an ordeal on a personal basis because you have, you know, friends and family there. But then also this was probably the biggest creative project in my life. Definitely the most amount of money I've ever spent on mm-hmm. a week, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for, for the crew and, and, and for the project. And yeah, spoiler alert, if you're if you don't like spoilers, go watch the film and come back. Um, (laughs) But I get pulled from the first run at the 45, 46 mile mark. I got there. Oh, I don't remember. 13, 14 minutes too late after the time cut off. And I got pulled and I kind of mention it in the film. But um, yeah, I kind of felt like a wedding, (laughs) like something you've been planning for years and years. Mm -hmm. Other people are part of other people have made sacrifices for. And then, you know, it just doesn't happen. The bride, I don't know, goes off or you change your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's um, I was okay with my failure. Mm. (laughs) Like as healthy as one could be with my failure. (laughs) But definitely the the harder part was. Uh, everyone else. The crew, I, they didn't care. They were getting paid. Like they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were there to work. So they didn't care. But all my friends and family, like I just. Like, oh, great. So we don't have to do the back half. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure they were all like, shit, we've got to do this again in six months. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Just the, the guilt of like so many people working so hard and making so many sacrifices to then it just not happen. It's It's crazy that you could put that much time and effort into something that just doesn't work out we were so thoroughly devastated for you yeah like we were like just genuinely like, <laughs> this is bullshit we're like no <laughs> this can't, he's worked so hard this can't yeah. be like oh, these times are, we, we turned into like that helicopter parent that's like 
give my kid a prize for showing up. We're like, he tried hard. <laughs> I've become the parent that I hate right now. I was like, this is so unfair. But yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I get it. The rules are the rules. But just watching you go through the prep for that. I was like, I can't believe this. That's it. That seems so final. And, you know, <laughs> just like, well, and I honestly didn't know where it was going after that because I thought, well, it'd be strange if he didn't go through with the whole thing because it's it was kind of earlier on, you know, and I was like, is he going to be crazy enough to do this again? Yes, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. OK, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was crazy enough to do it again. Um, and it, 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 nothing was the way it seemed, even the finish line. You know, every time I would have a really rough training run, I would try to like imagine myself like at the finish line, like, oh my gosh, what's that going to be like? And then I barely remember the actual finish line yeah, right. <laughs> when I finished Jeez. the second one. Um, yeah, I mean, number one, it's like it's it was it's so much more anticlimactic than you expect. Um, you know, there was not confetti or balloons. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why not. You <laughs> didn't have that swelling music out. as you as yeah, you seriously. <laughs> So nope. you approach the finish line. Nope. Nope. Um, but yeah, I guess the whole point of that was just, yeah, nothing was, it was as I expected it to be, which is probably what we should expect, but I never learn. I got, I have to know what the, the following morning feels oh. like. Yeah. Uh, pretty... Cause it's not like you're, you know, you, I mean, I don't know, like your muscles and your mind and, and all this stuff is probably just to some, to the, well, you had a broken I, rib, if I remember correctly. You broke something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I right. Fell. Yeah. I fell at like mile 63 and uh, <laughs> it was one of those really embarrassing. The sound that I made uh, it was so embarrassing. Luckily, there was no one around, but I, I fell and I was like desperate to save my food. So I didn't like. I like I saved my food and I didn't so I used my chest to stop. I didn't even try to to brace myself. That's how uh, desperate I was for that. A man after my own heart. Soup. <laughs> but I hit my chest first and I just made this awful guttural like <clears throat> sound when I hit the ground. And I, I I popped up and I was like, "Oh, everything's fine." And then about it was like like 8 to 7 miles left and my lungs started to hurt. And I didn't really put it together. I just assumed that it was um something that happens when you've ran 90 miles and breathed in a bunch of dust on the trail and stuff. Um, but then the next morning it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a fractured rib. There's nothing no. you can do for it. It's actually not that big of a deal. Uh, but anytime you inhale, it presses against your ribs. And yeah. It's pretty bad. But um, uh, your legs feel like um, like jelly. They're like tingly and you can't really sleep because you constantly have to kind of like them. Yeah. Yeah. Um one thing I wasn't expecting was um when I got back to the hotel after the run, I uh was shivering uncontrollably. Oh. I felt like I uh had a really intense fever. And I think he's I think there's a yeah, there's definitely a clip of me in bed after the run that I finished. Mm -hmm. Um and I I have like blankets on me. I have yep. a sleeping bag mm -hmm. on me. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. Um yeah, they just I couldn't get warm, but I, I I did some research later, and I guess that's common. I guess it actually, you know, your body uses a decent number of calories in order to regulate its body temperature. And at that point, I just didn't have the fuel; any yeah. it didn't exist in my body, so my body couldn't regulate its its temperature. So I guess that's that's normal. Um, but that was unexpected. And then, yeah, you're just your legs are just toast. Mm -hmm. They, it's not pain. It's just um, like really, really intense aching. But it actually goes away 
I mean, within a couple of days, I was not normal, but like, <laughs> the, the noticeable like discomfort was mostly yeah. gone. Yeah. At that point, you're really training. Well, before you know, in the last weeks, months of training for one of these, it's really about uh, that recovery. So mm. you do back to back long runs on the weekend, and the whole point is to like go on a really long, rough run on Saturday, and then on Sunday. Mm-hmm go on another long run with tired legs with you know depleted glucose you know with in a in really not a great place that anyone really should be running but that's when you teach your body to just kind of like deal with it yeah. <laughs> which sounds crazy but it works i, can, I yes, barely I make two miles survive. on my run my anxiety disorder i'd be like why am i feeling this what's going on <laughs> i'm dying i've done too much <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. That's one of the the hardest things when you're first starting out is to figure out what pain is temporary and what's long-term. Because yeah. temporary pain, you just need to deal with it and just keep going uh, because it almost always goes away. There's so many aches <clears throat> and twitches and weird things now that six years ago, I would have been like, oh, I have to stop running. I need to go home because that's what any normal yeah, sentient yeah. human would, <laughs> would do. Um, but you have to learn to not. At the same time, you can't push injuries. If you have a serious injury that needs yeah. rest, you have to rest. Yeah. But uh, it's really shocking how um, how far you can go if you just don't stop. There's a, 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 a saying, um, uh, you have to be smart enough to, 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 to finish an ultramarathon. You have to be smart enough to start, but dumb enough not to quit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was also kind of... Uh, surprised by and you know something you don't think of is that what it does to the skin on your feet and your like you know i mean no matter how comfortable a shoe is they're not made for you to be doing that much in such a short amount of time so you know eventually it's gonna you're gonna have blisters and all these things and uh yeah you were tended to as as we saw (laughs) between stops um and it's like this it's like this really weird twisted uh like royal scene where you sit and you're like tend to me <laughs> you know? but in a really yeah. horrible way well, you know like you said, it's like a human pit car yeah, you, know? you just, just sit there and it's like <laughs> fix things you know yeah. um yeah totally oh, i can't i can't imagine i don't know i mean i i give you credit because it the, the the only good thing to come from this whole pandemic has been that it's forced us to be more active and i've reached a point where I think for the average person, they'd be like, you're so behind and you're still really lazy. But I could just, you know, my job that I had at the time, um, you know, at the beginning of all this was I sat at a desk. So there wasn't a lot of movement in my day to day. Aside from like running around a supermarket or going shopping, I didn't really do much. And there could be days on it. Like when we started this, there were days that I hadn't clocked more than like 600 steps in a day <laughs> wow yeah you know just sit I mean, on the I'm couch sure I'm the same you know? it's like, i just didn't even think about it and now um i'm certainly not at you know the recommended ten thousand steps i still don't know how the hell people do that but um you know now i get to a point where i feel guilty if i didn't you know like i look i feel like a loser when i look at my steps and i'm like 2500 I should have at least gotten 4,000, you know? And then, so we have this little stepper behind the couch and I'll watch TV and run on it, you know, to try to get more movement in. So that's been the only good thing to come from it is that now um, when we do have like one lazy day and I only have like 700 steps, I'm like, oh, waste of life. (laughs) So what are you doing with yourself? It's so funny how that works when uh, you're dealing with like exercise and stuff, because I was the same way before. I think we've been so... 
for probably the last seven years, at least, I don't think I've run. Seven years? Yeah. Maybe eight or nine years. Thirteen. Well, no. When we first met, I was playing basketball still and stuff. Yeah, whatever, for like but, two months. Yeah. <laughs> that was 13 years ago. But the ago. point is, is like... The <laughs> nice pan- try. As she was saying, the pandemic's been like the best thing that ever happened to me because now I'm running every day. Um, I'm yeah, almost at two incredible. miles. Um, and But the nice. thing is, is when I was younger and, and not that like up until about 30... I'm 40, what am I now? 40 something, Three? 43, something like that, whatever. <laughs> Since his 40s. So up until about 30, I was like, I would, I was skateboarding every day. I was, I was playing basketball. I used to run two miles a day. So like I was very, very, very active always. And I was always skinny because I was always, every day I would go out, skateboard all day, play basketball at night and then go party. Like it was just, my energy level was through the roof for my whole life. And then something happened. And then he met me. And something happened. I'm pointing to and her. And I was like, come into my sloth world where we just watch movies and yeah. eat delicious things. <laughs> and so now the pandemic hit and I was just like, I have to do something. Because now, at least at work, you'd get up, you'd go to work, you'd walk around a bit at work, something here. I'm just literally, I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home, but I'm just sitting at my in my office just working and it's whatever. So now, you know, for the past, I don't know. Four months or something? Like like six months. Six yeah. months. Just been running every day, doing some some weight training and stuff. And so That's amazing. Yeah. I oddly the pandemic's been the best thing that's happened to me health wise. <laughs> so Yeah, weird. you know, but, I, but to the, uh, b- the the bigger point is if I don't run one day, I, I feel like an, a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well have you gotten to the point yet where um when you start running, it feels good. Like your legs feel good. Maybe just like 30 steps, but has that happened for you yet? That was a, a weird thing that I noticed. Maybe no, a what's, few months what's weird for me is that I, um, I find constantly my legs are dying out before my wind. Oh, interesting. You know, like yeah. I can, I can, I feel like I can run more, but my legs are like, no, nah, we're good here. <laughs> we're good. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess the, the point was being for me that like, I just really appreciate you. Like it, because it wasn't, it didn't seem gradual for you, or was it? Maybe in the editing, it seemed like you just went right to it. Yeah, that's. Um, I think one of my biggest. Um, I don't have big regrets with the film, but that's one of them. Is uh, now looking back, uh, I'm realizing that we, well, partly because we didn't have the money. <laughs> we didn't have the money to have a crew on a regular basis, like coming just for a casual training run. So that was part of the reason but i realized that i didn't show the training process as much as i could have or would have liked to have okay. um uh it, it was fast but it wasn't as fast as that i mean the film makes it appear as though i'd like just popped off the sofa and ready to, <laughs> to go it's like and the, that's not the, the case the, the couch to 5k the documentary yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it started well uh well it started while my mom was in the hospital and i had kind of started reading a trail running magazine that was in the waiting room yeah. and oh, that's right, yeah. decided to go for a run one day. And I was instantly hooked. I grew up on a pig farm in Missouri in the middle of nowhere. And I never considered myself outdoorsy. Um, but I've realized that I, I was a lot more outdoorsy than I realized. Uh, I was living in New York and I, um, I realized I just, I miss nature. And it's not like I was like a hippie little nature kid when I was a little kid, Mm. but I just kind of by default grew up, you know, like next to the woods and would just go out and I had a secret spot (laughs) that I would go (laughs) hang out at whenever I got pissed at my parents. Um, And 
I went for that first run and I felt like a little kid. I felt like a little kid like prancing down the trail and I and I was like jumping over logs and like getting dirty and it was not at all, it was nothing that I had ever associated with running. To me running was my PE teacher once a year taking us to the track to like watch me walk with a very bad attitude. <laughs> that's what, that's what running was. Yeah. Was just pissed. rage walking. Yeah. <laughs> That's what running was to me. And suddenly, like, here I was, uh, like, playing, feeling adventurous. Um, and nobody was watching my fat jiggle. Nobody was timing. Nobody gave a crap what my time was. And suddenly, I, I was almost instantly, almost instantly hooked. And I think that uh, it's definitely, ultra running definitely isn't for everyone. But I think the people who take to it are probably the types like me i grew up uh you know grew up on a pig farm i was just like i was a i, I didn't know it at the time i'm vegan now and i'm realizing now that i was <laughs> i've been vegan uh since i was a little kid even though i was eating meat if that makes sense but here i was this like hippie little gay dude who grew up on a pig farm who was going against every uh everything that you know happens in rural missouri i should have taken over my dad's farm and you know i was yeah. definitely not a typical Missouri farm boy <laughs> and I was okay with it, but I definitely had never like thought like, Oh, I'm super tough or yeah. uh, any, anything like that. And suddenly when I discovered trail running, I was like, Oh shit, turns out I'm a badass," And I had no <laughs> idea. So I think like a lot of the like pain and discomfort is, uh, is weirdly enjoyable because it's, it's like, Oh damn, I can, I can, I can totally do that. It was yeah. rough, but I can do that. And that the after, um, I don't know what to call it, but after the fact, uh, once you, once things don't hurt anymore and things aren't miserable, um, there's definitely a sense of badassery yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that you feel. You know, one of the interesting things that we were talking about um, when we were watching it is just, I'm thinking like, I, I didn't realize I had, I had gotten a gym membership, I don't know, a couple years ago. And then I quit and then I got one again and I was like, I'm totally going to do this, but I have a bad back. So it's easy for me to injure myself. And I was like, all right, these Ugh. machines are just too much for me. Like I keep hurting myself. I'm going to stop. But one of the things that was so discouraging actually was starting up again, getting on the treadmill and having, uh, you know, there's always, you know, there's the, the treadmill et etiquette, if you will where you don't mm -hmm. jump next mm -hmm. to someone when there's empty ones. And people loved to do that. I was like, get away. <laughs> Just like... And so there was this woman that despite there being empty treadmills would always go, I think it was her treadmill, you know, she would always get on this one specifically. And she was the, the same height as me, but she was heavier than me and she could haul ass on this thing. And that's when I started to learn that <laughs> size doesn't determine your, your cardio abilities. You know, there's yeah. this, this misconception that if someone's small, that they can run for longer and faster than someone who's bigger. Nay. <laughs> I say nay. I say nay. <laughs> because yeah. she would get on this thing li like a gazelle. I mean, you would think it was her life dependent on it. And she would just halt for 20 minutes straight. I would get tired just looking at her. And I was like, can you stop that? And like, seriously, <laughs> like enough. Yeah, uh, and 100%. Yeah. I mean, you know, to the point where your treadmill starts to shake with their momentum because they're, they're going <laughs> so hard. And I was like, I'm just going to get off this thing now. Um, <laughs> like, I've had enough, but it was 
partially fascinating because I was just like, I can't believe she can go that fast. Cause she probably, you know, we were probably most likely the same height, but she had like 50 pounds on me. And I was like, I don't get it. Good yeah, for you, but I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I'm certainly not fast. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy how, despite being a, I mean, I'm still a big dude. I've always, even when I was my very smallest, I was still a big dude. Um, I'm not fast, but yeah, it turns out that I can, I can just kind of not stop. <laughs> I can just kind of keep yeah. going, uh, not fast, but I can keep, I can keep moving. And I mean, don't, don't get me wrong with the story that I'm about to tell. Like overweight is unhealthy uh, in any variety. Um, but, uh, there was a moment, uh, it was like three or four weeks before we were going to Colorado for the first run. And I went to the doctor just for a checkup, just to make sure that, you know, this was still okay. And I was, you know, oh, I don't know about fit, but I was, uh, <laughs> there was, it was in danger in me doing this, yeah. this run and, uh, normal physical checkup and the doctor got to my heart, which like, you know, heart problems run in my family. And it's something I'm so paranoid about just in, in general. So he gets to my heart and he listens and he moves it and he listens, he moves it again and he listens again. And then it goes on like five or six times. And I'm like, Oh no, that's <laughs> he's, he's listening too hard. What's going on? <laughs> And then he says, uh, can you, can you hold on for just one second? Um, uh, and I was like, sure. So he comes back a few minutes later with this dude. And he's it's probably like, like the hey, longest couple minutes of your yeah, life. Like, can I have a like, value oh, you're I was gone? just Thank like, you. just shit in my pants, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is it. Like, not only is everything for the film and this run off, like also like he's discovered a heart condition. So he comes back in with this other younger dude and he's like, Hey, do you mind if so-and-so listens to your heart? Uh, he's a resident here and I doubt that he's ever had a chance to listen to the heartbeat of an endurance athlete. And I was like, excuse oh. me, what did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you, 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 what you said just made me think of that because I mean, I was still overweight, but like to hear that, like not only was I not dying tomorrow of heart disease, uh, he like wanted to, to, to share uh, a call, you know, wanted to share my heartbeat with a colleague. So there's a uh, difference in your heartbeat when you when you're an endurance athlete. Yeah, it's uh, your heart rate is is usually super low. Um, well, not super low, not like dangerously low, but um, your your resting heartbeat for an endurance athlete, your your heart essentially doesn't have is in better shape, so it doesn't have to work as hard, right. it doesn't have to pump as often. So I think normal heart rate is like 60 to 80. Mm -hmm. And even now, I mean, I'm still running a decent amount, but not training for a hundred miler. Um, yeah, I got one of those little, uh, I won't say the brand name cause nobody's sponsored, but a little EKG <laughs> right, thing yeah. Yeah. that you can do at home. Um, and mine's usually around like 56, 57, wow. uh, which is still healthy. It's just, it's just lower. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess I wasn't really tracking my heart rate consistently before i started running but i think yeah. there's a good chance it wasn't wasn't that low but yeah i guess it's just slower and like the the beats tend to be less intense less less hard Interesting. Know, I'm, not a, I'm not a cardiologist i mean yeah. I, I always think of it on the anxiety level because you know the first thing i do once i'm having anxiety is let me take my heart rate because this seems like a good time to do that and uh <laughs> you know i'm always like oh my god 98 oh my god oh my god you know which then makes it go higher um, which even yep. then at 98, they're like, yeah, that's not, you're not having a heart attack if it's going 98, like that's not bad. But that's I'm normally okay. like around 70 or 75, you know, so if I'm at 98, I'm like, I'm panicking. 
Um, but I didn't know that just that from actually from endurance training that you can train your heart, so to speak, to where it doesn't really yeah. need to it's work a as hard. It is a muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, disclaimer, there can also be a lot of medical problems that are indicated by low heart. Yeah, we're not medical experts, so, sure. so don't yeah. take our advice. If you're low sitting, blood, if you're, low it, blood pressure. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you consistently spend a lot of time on the sofa and your heart rate is below 60, that might not be <laughs> 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 that your heart's super duper healthy. Either. Go see your cardiologist. <laughs> I wanted to um, ask about like the... Um, the uh the the production side of everything and like how yeah. how you like formed the team and 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 you had mentioned that you know this is you know your own project it's not like it was you know funded by a producer or something like that so i wanted to ask about like how the how you got the team together and and kind of what was the what was that workflow like for you like um probably not having done many documentaries prior <laughs> Yeah, well, having having done none, um, I I wish that people in the in the indie filmmaking world were talking more about money and the experience. We see all these people finish with lovely package films, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it seems as though they just made a film and everything worked out and everything was fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe I had an exceptional experience, but it was without question the filmmaking process was without question the harder marathon <laughs> that <laughs> okay, i ran. yeah um it was i mean a lot of it was perpetuated by me having no idea what i was mm. doing um but i had the idea um i was living in los angeles i had the idea for the film i was kind of throwing it around in my own head and i was a nanny for a family in beverly hills and i like casually had like mentioned it to them um and the short story is within like a few days, it was green lighted by a very small studio in LA. Um, and we started uh, working on assembling the team and stuff. And I, I mean, I've been in, in the inter- entertainment industry for a while. So I called all my friends first. And I was like, Hey, you know, are you interested in working on this? Do you know someone who would be? Um, and then yeah. that studio got purchased by, I don't know, Japanese gaming company or something and immediately everything was shut down mm-hmm. uh, like like immediately like in less than like a week or so oh um, wow yeah it was it was it was so fast um and so we had to decide um not that it was going to have a huge budget but they had fundraising sort of sorted out so mm-hmm. that wasn't a concern um and suddenly it was a huge 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 concern um so I almost, I mean, I was going to stop. I mean, <laughs> how am I going to, I mean, I had some money in my bank account, but there was no, um, you know, I have a day job now in the tech industry and there was no, there was no guarantee. It was not good business sense to mm-hmm. make a film, to mm-hmm. pour my savings account into making a film. But I did it nonetheless. <laughs> I sure went ahead and did that. Um, I find, I knew that we were going to have to make a lot of concessions production wise. I knew Mm -hmm. that we weren't, it wasn't going to be as polished as we wanted. We weren't going to be able to have people run the whole race with me with cameras. Um, We weren't going to be able to like bring out the drone people. Um, But uh, I don't know if it exists in film and television, but in the theater world, there's a saying that story trumps all. So it doesn't really matter as long as you're telling a compelling story. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how it's packaged. It doesn't matter. It does, of course. (laughs) It does matter what it looks like. I was going to say, I didn't miss that you didn't have drones and stuff. Like that didn't, 
I just I thoroughly enjoyed it because to me it was watching that journey. You know, well, seeing good. you That's, go through that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, I, I thought it was a really well-made documentary. I, there, at no point was I like, oh, this, it looks okay. Yeah, it's not but like yeah, it was like, like, why is this on It looked great. Netflix I whatever. mean, it looked really good. Um, uh, so. Well, documentary is forgiving in that, though, also, because, you know, mixed media and some shaky camera footage, mm-hmm. it, you know, in a lot of circumstances can be forgiven. Um not poor audio. <laughs> I wish I, I had that advice, but uh, if anyone else is, is out there foolish enough to think about making their first film, uh, audio, 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 it's yeah. all about audio. We always the audience can be staring at a black screen, but you've got it. They'll forgive no visual, but you have to have decent yes. audio. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one clip where our primary mic went out um, and there was a lot of wind and we paid a chunk of change to have <laughs> an engineer uh work on that segment of audio just because we were using one of the road the road iphone labs mm-hmm. oh, okay, uh, yeah. which did great it did a great job for us but uh the, the app crashed and we didn't you know it took us a few minutes to realize it and of course it was the it was the like seven seconds of gold that we needed from that uh, interview. Uh. <laughs> so audio 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 um but uh, mostly friends, um, friends and friends of friends. Uh, we were in, in Colorado the first the first trip. We were a very small team. We were two cameras, um, someone on audio, and a producer. Um, and then um, another, uh, I don't know, PA, helper, <laughs> whatever <laughs> you want to call them. Um, and then for the second run, uh, I was super jaded and pessimistic about the second run. Um, I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. I told two of my best friends and then my family and then everyone who came with us, of course. Um, but I didn't know I was going to try real hard to finish. But after the first one, I was not positive that yeah. I was going to finish it. So I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want to have to tell everyone the next day. Oh, I again failed. Um and I took one person, one camera guy, and I did most of the audio for the second, uh, uh, for the second run. Oh, wow. um, I, I had that oh, same love like on yeah. my body. Um, and then we had an onboard mic for him and that's all we used. Um, it's really shocking that we ended up with enough decent footage to, uh, to make the film. Um, but I did some money too. I was like, I we can't spend this amount of money again. And it yeah. not, you know, the, the first time it was probably better for the story in the end that I didn't finish the first attempt. Uh, but we can't spend this amount of money to fail again. Yeah. So I was just like, so, so pessimistic. Yeah. And the, 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 the change between the two of them, uh, like money and team wise was pretty, was pretty drastic as well and then it it took me five years to finish this film excuse me it took me five years to finish this film and uh the the primary reason was i just kept overestimating my abilities i kept thinking um oh i'll make the first pass at mixing the audio and then we'll just find somebody to to do a quick pass over it to like clean it up and polish it up mm-hmm. um i'll do the color grading and if there's any like problem i'll do like the the grading but if there's any like color fixes we'll you know we'll find someone to do those mm-hmm. just all these like huge processes <laughs> that i like thought in a week and a half i could learn how to be a <laughs> professional like colorist um and so it's just this over and over again. Uh, the only thing I didn't think about doing myself, I, I 
came, I, I was a musician when I was a kid and that was the only thing I knew that I couldn't compose the music. I wasn't stupid enough to <laughs> that I could handle that. So that was the one moment of self-awareness I had, but I just kept getting to those moments and getting frustrated. I spent like a couple months working on the audio and I finally was like, I can't do this. Yeah. I mean, I can, but I can't do it well. Like, right. I need to, I need to find the money and find the person uh, to do this well. Um, and it was all, you know, people working for next to nothing, way less than their, than their worth. Um, luckily, I think everyone was, in, was intrigued by the story and was just kind of excited to be a part of it. Um, but nobody got paid what they deserved. Nobody. Um, Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think I, I, I'm so lucky looking back that I had those people who were uh, enamored by the story enough to say, hey, sure, like we'll yeah. do this for less than what we're worth because it sounds like we're going to have a good time. Um, and I don't know how I would have done it if I couldn't have found couldn't have found those people who wanted to to do it for the love of it um yeah. and not for you know their fifteen hundred dollar a day day yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's there's so much community involved like we do the same thing and i don't think we've ever paid anybody what they're worth unfortunately yeah. we make sure we pay everybody um because that's a big sticking point for us that if you're spending your time you got to get paid um but you know it's not going to be what you're worth unfortunately but luckily we you know some people are friends and some people just want to be involved in that process, you know, and they, they either love the story or they just want to be involved because they, you know, um, you know, for whatever reason, God bless them. Um, <laughs> you know, so this, this doing what we do. And I mean, we, as in us two versus what you do, cause yours still, you know, whatever. still up there, you know, we'll get up <laughs> there someday. But, um, but the point is, is that, you know, you're nothing without your team. You know, I can I can take all the credit in the world because I directed the film, but there's no way in hell that this film would have came to be without. I mean, there were all the there people were points in, in our last shoot that you know the actors were. Um, you know, we we were living in the same house during, so we had a relationship. You know, you you get close to people when you're sharing a house really quick, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there were moments where our actors were, um, you know, taking doing like behind the scenes or, you know, manning Holding, the clapboard yeah. or do, you know, because moving well, equipment around, what are you going to do? <laughs> and so, um, indie, indie film is not the place for kind of that diva mentality of like, I'm just here to act. And so you just, you understand that you're going to have to do a bit more. Uh, and, and so we were fortunate that people were like, what can we do? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, and you have to be ready to do everything. I mean, yeah. In in for the the days we were in Colorado shooting, <clears throat> like we were traveling, I was like insisted that we get this like upholstered chair for all of the interview shots. You can't see it. I don't think you can see it a single <laughs> time in the film. But I insisted that we have the, the juxtaposition seems to be the word of the day. But I I insisted that we buy this like lovely antique upholstered wooden legged chair, mm-hmm. like living room chair, like an armchair. And I insisted that for all of the interviews, we placed that chair like in the woods or on top of a mountain or in a a train tracks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) To train tracks. Exactly. And you can't see it once. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, we should have had probably at least, at least 12 to 15 people in Colorado. And I think that was a huge reason for me not, there were a lot of reasons probably for me not finishing, but I don't think I have ever been so uh, stressed slash terrified 
in my life. That whole week was just, I was just, I was like a robot. Um, and I think it would have been, I know it would have been lovely <laughs> if I hadn't been doing so many things. But then in, in for the second run in Texas, uh, John Lyle, uh, if you need a DP or anything <laughs> with a camera, call John Lyle. Um, He's a friend of a friend who I actually had never met before we started working on the film, but one of my friends uh, introduced me to him and we just hit it off instantly, mm -hmm. uh, became besties. And he's a perfect example of like how you just have to like pull your sleeves up and get dirty yeah. in indie mm -hmm. filmmaking because he... Um, in Texas, I mean, he was producing. <laughs> he was producing everything in Texas, basically. I mean, he was he was navigating uh, interviews while I was out running. I found out later that he was like prompting my my sister and one of my best friends, Amy, who were my crew. He was like asking them really provocative, like appropriate questions <laughs> that a team of producers should have been there, right. like mm -hmm. processing and act. And and he was just he just he just did it all. Um, he just he just he just did it. And where are you going to find somebody who? Uh, you know, you, you just got to find a gem like John Lyle because it's really hard to find those those people who are just there for the love of it and to get the job done, mm -hmm. not just yeah. to, you know, grab a check and yeah. pop home. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, we're we're actually, you know, still friends with a lot of the, uh, the actors from our last film, like still, like personal friends with them, you know, and our relationships have um, grown from there because when you go through, you know, it's when you go through something like that, you know, you, you know, if you're in the heat in Texas and, and it's just shit, you're just, it's like you went, I don't want to say you went to war because people say that and it's like, it's clearly not, but you know, you're, you're, you've done a lot of very hard things in a short period of time with somebody. It can really like bring you together, you know, or, you know, make, you hate, you, you, know, make you hate somebody, <laughs> but um, having the experience yeah. of being in close quarters with some, with people that, and a lot of that starts with the, the, um, for us anyway, it starts with the casting process and how we can get a good sense of those people sensibilities. Is this someone we're going to get along with? Can I spend six days in a house with this person? Mm -hmm. You know? And so to us, t that type of mentality on any shoot is just as important as talent. Like talent gets you in the door for sure. But, you know, you know, I can't work on a set if I'm dealing with attitudes or, you know, any of that sort of stuff. I just, I, I won't have it. Just, it's not going to work. This isn't going to work. So I, I can't, um, I don't know, uh, surrounding yourself with people that are just in it for the, yeah, for the love of it is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%, especially coming from the theater world. Um, from an actor's perspective, uh, the, the, like the industry, uh, theater versus like film and television mm -hmm. is very different. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to get on a theater high horse, but, um, you know, in theater, we work together for, for, for weeks, months, mm -hmm. rehearsing mm -hmm. shows. Then we have this very intimate experience eight times a week. Um, there's also just kind of unspoken level of professionalism um, that is demanded in the theater world. Um, the attitudes that I've seen on film and TV sets would have, you literally would have been fired on the spot. Yeah. Like it's, it's just such a collaborative team effort. And um that isn't necessarily always the same in film and television. So we were really, really lucky. I was really lucky with John. But going back to what you just said, um, you know, there's not a lot of people that I would have wanted 
he was the one person who was there for everything. He was, he was the, every single thing we shot. He was the one person who was always there. And he's seen me at my very best. <laughs> and he's seen me at my very worst. He has seen me dirty and stinky. He's seen me like peed my, like a halfway peed my pants. Um, he's seen me cry. <laughs> he has seen me crying so much. <laughs> there was an interview where, where I like was. <laughs> One of my producers got me so worked up. I was doing the like third grade hyperventilate crying, you know, the, like, <laughs> like the, the, I'm a grown ass man and I was a wreck and he just like stopped and came over and like gave me a hug. And like, those are the types of people that you need, especially if you're like in a situation working on something where you are going to be this vulnerable. Um, those are the people you want. Um, you know, it's kind of like emotional porn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it was my emotions could not have been more bare and just like out there. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine having, you know, unsupportive uh, people around or judgmental people or people that I didn't feel close to or people who had their own drama. I yeah. just I can't imagine the stress that that exists when when you're working in those kind of situations. So yeah. luckily, I didn't have to find out with this because we had great people. Yeah. Yeah, Wish so, there was a behind the scenes of all that happening. That would have been kind of interesting to see. <laughs> You're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I'm a huge behind the scenes. Yeah, we love. No, I love watching that. Well, just because it's it's a you know it's a different experience, yeah. really. And and um, mm. you know the comparison with theater, we're film people. I mean, we're film people all the way. But I have a huge respect for theater. It's very different. You know, there's there's a there's more of the the post obviously there's no post with theater you do you know you finish your show and it's over but with a film it keeps going on and on for months and it you know drags out and so there's that hurdle when it comes to film but theater is so precise and uh, the few people that have said that theater friends that I have that have said you should try it I'm like there's no way in hell I'm not built for it I'm in, in, in the film world. There's no take two. There's no take two. <laughs> There's way too much pressure. If I screw this up, I didn't just screw it up for me. I screwed it up for everybody. You know? <laughs> so I was like, True. I don't need that kind of pressure. Uh, maybe one day I'll have a line in a play. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> just give should. me one line so I can't screw oh, that up. Be great. I'll start with that. But I have a, you know, we've... I'm actually the way you are with documentaries. That's how I am for some reason with certain theater where it's like I have to go in kicking and screaming. And I then once I'm I there, I'm like, plays. oh, you know, uh, we we saw Hamilton on when Disney released it. And, you know, you just kept hearing about it. And it's like, you know, after a while you're like, all right, I get it. Enough with the Hamilton. Like, you know, like whatever. Then we watched it and I was like, son of a bitch. You know, like, yeah. God damn it. This, this is awesome. Is something. <laughs> That must have been so great to watch in person. Yeah. And I'm I, so sad that I didn't get to see that. But I'm glad that I, I got to same, see it. Oh, 100%. I did the same thing with uh, August Osage County. There's okay, the yes. Film? We saw the film, saw yes. Film, yeah. So I, I think I was still in college or maybe I had just moved to New York when it was on Broadway, but some friends talked me into going and I, I, I kind of knew the story, but I was like, I don't know, like some family drama. It doesn't sound like my thing but sure let's mm-hmm. shell out 120 dollars and go see august sh county and uh <laughs> at one point my friend who like was the one who 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 dragged me there dragged me there uh he like just tapped me on the shoulder and just like motioned like hey look at yourself and i like <laughs> looked at myself and i was literally 
I was up on the edge of my seat and I was like <laughs> staring at the stage. <laughs> and I realized that like, I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've ever been that captivated like in, in live theater. And it was just, I just, it was really burned into my mind because I was like, oh my gosh, they got me. Like I forgot I was in a theater. You know, in the movies, it's easy to go to the movies. I'm like, totally just be enveloped in the yeah. world and forget that, mm-hmm. that that reality exists but it's so much harder in theater it really takes a, a um what do they call it the suspension of disbelief or yeah. disbelief or whatever yeah. yeah um you really have to harness that sometimes in the theater and that was one of the few times like live theater got me like i was there yeah. nothing else existed other than what was happening on the stage and it was pretty cool i can imagine because the film was like that so if you yeah, have I haven't the seen stage, the film yet, but oh, you haven't? It has was, to be. No, it yeah, has it to was be really amazing, good. Um, the, yeah. This to to have that stage presence during that and during the you know the 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 qualms that they had with one another and you know you're like wow this family's so screwed up you know and it's, it, but it, it was very very good. I re- I would like to see that play. Yeah. Um, you know, indie indie playhouses do it. I, I would like to see that because it it was a very good film. Um, but there have been a couple plays like that that. I've gone like, well, I hope it's good. And same thing. I find myself like, oh, you know, yeah. and uh, oh, and there's an intermission. Damn it. You know, just yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep going. And having that stage presence is so important because you could be a really good actor and not have that. You have to have both. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, and I you guys talk to a lot of uh, people. I'd love to know if you've heard anyone else have this experience. But, you know, all of my experience as a performer has been mostly live performance, uh, either in theater or doing stand up or improv. And in all of those scenarios, there's like very much a in the moment real time adjustment that happens based off of the audience. You gauge the audience what you know, and and you adjust your micro adjustments. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people would never know but you change your performance usually subconsciously depending on the audience that you currently have at that moment and i have i don't know if i've ever felt more uncomfortable than watching my film in a theater (laughs) full of people because you can't make adjustments right (laughs) it's a it's a train that's going down the tracks there's literally there is other than stopping the film there's nothing you can do to adjust to the audience and that was one of the most as a performer one of the most uncomfortable feelings i have ever felt was that inability to adjust to the audience i don't know have you ever heard anyone else say that i need to ask that's interesting no yeah no i i haven't but i mean it makes complete sense Yeah. yeah and that's uh it's part of why i mean i we're very we we have this really finicky way of once we finish something we're over it like we haven't even mm-hmm. gotten into film fest yet and we're just like i'm over this because i've between yep. pre-production production and post oh. i'm done like i don't even care about not, the it, story anymore well i don't like, think it's so much as that it's so much it's it's like it is for it's me it's a combination of things right because <laughs> it's yeah <laughs> But for me, it's a combination of things. It's a combination of like, yeah, we spent all this time and and we finished it and we're done. And you have that feeling of completion. And then then there's a combination of, all right, I want to make another one and correct all the mistakes I just made. Everything I've learned from that film, I want to go ahead and put into a new film. Plus, we're antisocial. Yeah. <laughs> In our own yeah. way, yeah. It, yeah. And, and the whole marketing side of everything is so difficult for us because it's just... Like we, we like most performers and, and, and artists in general, like have a hard time selling ourselves, you know, and going into, yeah. Hey, watch my thing. It's so great. You'll love it. Like I just, it just feels so salesman and fake and it's, it's 
something that a lot normally of people have a studio with, that but, does that for you when you, yeah, you have your a-list actors yeah. they just show up to their interviews and everything's you know but when you have to walk into a room and uh you know convince people to to give you that that 20 minutes of their time and uh so i mean as as the writer of our films and and producer of them when i sit in the audience in a film fest i'm just like i'm usually reading the audience and it's like please just do what i wanted you to do when I wrote this, okay, they laughed. Phew. <laughs> like they laughed at the right <laughs> yeah. moment. Maybe it wasn't the laugh that I wanted, but I got a laugh. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. take what I can get. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I think once at a film fest, I actually was like, oh, I'm going to go check what the weather's like outside just so that I could void having to watch people watch me. Especially when you know when you're getting to a point where you're like, I hate this part because I didn't do what I wanted to do. <laughs> it's very cringy and yeah. it's not my it's not my favorite. Uh, so I, I can understand that because with a film, it's done already. I, I, even if I know I made the mistake and I want to I want to pause it and say to the audience, just so you know, before we get to this part, I realize that, <laughs> that maybe the character shouldn't have done this, but I just was in my head too much. You, you have, there's no time to do that. It's not yeah. appropriate. So you just have yeah. to write it out. And hope that in, internally people aren't going like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> no. no, yeah, I'm very much over it, <laughs> which is hard because, well, it, it, it's, it's very cyclical. Like, I'll be, I'll be over it, but then I'll get, uh, I got a message from this guy who, he's like, I have been put on hospice care, but I'm still mobile. Um, and I saw your film and I decided to buy a, a van and go travel the Pacific Northwest. Like, just like, oh, come on. <sighs> yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. And then I'm suddenly like, all oh, right. Yeah. I, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Inspiration. Uh, fine. In yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I'm, and then I'm over it again, but it was really, uh, especially, um, at the end of the process uh, was so uh, emotionally exhausting mm-hmm. to have to watch this so many times. Yes. I mean, anyone who's gone through this process, I mean, you have to watch it every time. I mean, the, the the sound editor makes a few different tweaks. You've got to basically watch the whole film again mm-hmm. to like, you, you can't. You, and so for it to be such a personal story, like I was so exhausted by having to relive this over and over yeah. and over again. Mm-hmm. I bought a bottle of champagne. <laughs> called one of my best friends uh the right before i was was shipping everything to the distributor and i was like i know i've told you this before but this is for real the last time i have to watch my fucking film (laughs) 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 and of course i've had to watch it since but i just because it's my story like i still can't watch it without crying and it's not that i think it's so brilliant or anything that it moves me to tears it's just it was my it was my life it was my experience and i'm just you know it just takes me like right back there um so i really dislike watching the film with other people partly because there's a lot of me ugly crying (laughs) nobody (laughs) loves to watch watch themselves ugly cry um but yeah i definitely i can definitely relate to being over it yeah. <laughs> but that but but dealing with the documentary is like a whole other level because we're just watching something we made up and we're yeah. watching right. a lot of the technical stuff and the performances and and stuff but you're sitting there literally watching what you did mm-hmm. you know and it's yeah. like reliving those emotions and stuff i mean don't be wrong there's emotions that we deal with because i hate this scene or the lighting wasn't working for me that day <laughs> just jesus just <laughs> There's ugly crying in post. Yeah. Just like all this work. Why? Why? Yeah, but I'll, I'll manipulate the face to make it just a little prettier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, is there 
Is there anything that you have wanted to do? Would you do this again? Once, once is enough for the marathon. <laughs> I'm assuming, um, but I, I very much don't know. Okay. Um, I, I do. Uh, I'm glad I didn't know what I was getting myself into at the beginning, or I never would have done it. Um, but I know now, now I know what I'm in for and I would do it again. I would never, ever, ever do it again without a proper budget, without the money in place Mm -hmm. to like comfortably hire a good team and make the film and market it. (laughs) Do not spend all your money on production and post kids. You've got to, you've got to save something for festival fees and gosh, that stuff adds up so fast. Yeah. Um, so I don't know is the the answer. If 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 I if a project came along that was properly funded, um, I would definitely think about it again. I I I had hoped that this format would be repeatable, where I do something weird or interesting or something in my life. Mm-hmm. I document it mm-hmm. uh, on film and then write uh, and a set a comedy set about it, and you know have another. Uh, docu comedy whatever we want to call it but I'll have to find the right I'll have to find the right topic and I haven't found that yet I think the only thing that got this film finished was the fact that the story was so personal Uh, it was about my mom I would have lived with guilt for the rest of my life that I let her down by not finishing this film honoring her you know in her name Mm -hmm. um because if 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 the story had been less personal and compelling, I would have quit a million times. There's no, there were so many roadblocks from the get go. Literally, in the <laughs> yeah. first two weeks, <laughs> a we had a huge, huge roadblock, and that wasn't the only one. It, it happened over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Where any normal person, similar to ultra running, any normal person would have said, "Oh, okay, this is this is where we stop." It just it it didn't work out. But luckily, I didn't have the option to quit, so we ended up getting it done. But it took. I thought it was going to take two years. We had the obvious delay of not finishing the first run. Mm-hmm. So that added a good seven, eight months to to the production time. But it ended up taking a little over five years <laughs> to get this well, done. Well, we appreciated uh, your tenacity. It was great. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. So would Makes you, um, are you interested in acting, like in film acting and that type of stuff? Or Yeah, 100%. I haven't done much though. Um, but yeah, definitely. I really... Um, which is it, it? The curse goes both ways. It's the you know the curse of a of a character actor. I never get to play. Um, I know you know nobody cast me in dramatic roles. Nobody wants me to be the serious person. Nobody wants me to be the villain. Um, uh, like Ursula from The Little Mermaid mm-hmm. is my dream role. Why in God's name has this not been made by a sassy <laughs> chubby chubby dude, y'all? Like <laughs> why has that role not been cast? Make that, that happen. Way? right we'll talk <laughs> um, offline <laughs> <laughs> there we go uh, but yeah 100 i really miss um i miss acting i love stand-up i i definitely have found my preferred uh, uh media uh for for storytelling i love I love stand-up because of the control. I'm completely in control, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. When things go really great, I, I I was in charge of 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 my delivery. I wrote the material. I chose my costume. I everything was was me. Like I did everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but same when it fails. Like mm-hmm. when things when you have a really bad set, it's all my fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. Not always, but um. Uh, yeah, I really, I really like uh, stand up because of that. But I've been missing the theater lately, so mm. I've been thinking about 
auditioning. It's hard. I think though. everybody's I mean, I missing a, the theater lately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. It's tough. I, I have a day I think job. That she like would, a, you would be. Uh, I think that you'd be a really good dramatic actor. I find that a lot of a lot of people that um, no one would picture in that part because well, this person's always very funny and they're always very happy. They always do the Robin Williams of the world. You know that are known for being very comedic. They have the darkest depths and cavernous areas in them and they're they're always uh you know like when we've seen uh, a couple times i've seen jim gaffigan when i first saw him stuff i'm like why the hell is jim gaffigan in a serious film like i can't even picture this yeah. working and then you're like oh he's creepy you know it's, and he does so when it well goes both it. ways yeah I, I guess i'm i'm sitting here trying to think of a good example and i'm i'm coming up short but it, it goes it goes the opposite as well there's so many dramatic actors and actresses who have been put in you know even mildly comedic roles and they just kill it yeah. Yeah. You know, comedy is so much. Not always. There are some people who can just hop on stage and right. you know, I don't know, just be silly, and it's just it's just hilarious. Um, uh, that 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 happens. But uh, most comedy uh, is is much more planned and meticulous, and uh, I guess I don't know, just organized than most people would realize. Mm-hmm. And those like those really method uh, dramatic actors just kill it when 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 they're in a role where that where timing is everything which mm-hmm. timing is everything in comedy in general but uh when it's a role that really relies on those precise little uh m- moments they kill it every time yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah it goes both ways i think for for sure when we whenever we film something because we don't generally stick to we, we have genres that we prefer to be in that we feel more comfortable in but we try them all. And I think comedy is probably the hardest. That's the hardest for me. I mean, I, I've written the thing. I don't find myself funny, you know, so that's just it. It's like, I have well, most funny people don't I have a, find you funny. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Oh, Paul coming in with a joke. Oh my God. I can't even be mad about that. Um, I, you know, like I don't, I don't find myself funny. It's just that I'm sarcastic. And so people find that people that aren't that way and that are more reserved, it's like they like to live vicariously through you. So they're like, you're so funny. I'm like, no, I just don't have a filter. So it's just it's <laughs> different. You know, it's different. And yeah. um, I have much I, I tend to have more of a dry humor. That's what scares me the most is um, for some reason, it's the the least comfortable um, genre that I, I can be in as an actor. I always gear towards, I love writing dramatic stuff, creepy stuff, psychological thrillers. That's where I love to be. I write comedies because I love comedy, but um, it's, for some reason, it's what does the best for us. It'll get the most attention. The the comedies that we've done have done the best and they're the most uncomfortable for me to play. I I can't even enjoy the process because I'm like, oh my God, this isn't funny. I'm not funny. And then it'll do well. And I'm like, all right, I get I don't know. People find it funny. Some people find it funny. So I yeah. guess that's better than nobody finding yeah. it funny. Um, but every time I do a comedy, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that again. And then we'll do yeah. it just because we're silly. But well, it has to be tough. I mean, you know, so my comedy experience is all in real time. I mean, a comedy, you know, my, 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 my show that's that's in the film. I mean, I spent months and months trying trying material mm-hmm. out, uh, testing things, getting feedback from audiences. OK, that didn't work. That part of that joke worked. I need to tweak this. I can't imagine how terrifying it must be to to write uh, comedy for the screen. And I mean, obviously, you're getting some feedback on set, but that has to be a little terrifying to to not 
not get real feedback until it's in the theater. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, comedy wise, to not have control from the from the, from the beginning, that must be. Whew, yeah, tough. you just gotta pray. <laughs> yeah, it's like moments that I'm like, I, I mean, yeah, feel like this might be funny. I don't know. <laughs> and you'll you'll get some feedback on set, but there's very little you can actually do. You can't change very much other than some some mm-hmm. maybe some lines of dialogue, or you can't change intention, and you can't change the scope of the film or anything like that. Yeah. Like I it's think baked when, in. when we get we some did... feedback with the script, but that's that's about it. When we did the, I was a little less nervous when we did um, the gaffer. We did a it was a dark comedy about. Um, she's not a hit woman. She's like a, a hit boss. She's British. And uh, so it's a comedy, but not because they do kill people. Um, so no one had even read that script aside from the other actor that was in it with me. So I didn't have really any feedback aside from like Paul reading it. And then when we were shooting and he started to run his lines, which obviously I wrote, um, I could see like people like I saw movement in my periphery. But I didn't know what that meant. And then once he yelled cut, everyone started hysterically laughing. And I was like, oh, thank God. Because like, I thought they were I thought the faces were like, the fuck is this? You know, yeah. That's stupid. And so I was panicking because I was like, oh, my God, why? Why is there movement? Like what's happening? And it's because they were all holding their faces awesome. and they didn't want to, you know, and still even like I don't think it's the funniest thing in the world. But it just having that um, was was helpful because the whole film was was based around a joke, um, which was uh, why do walruses love Tupperware? Because they're always looking for a tight seal. And <laughs> I and I was like, didn't know when that was the part where when I saw the movement, I'm like, it's not funny. Only I found that funny. Oh no. Uh, you know, and everyone has had the same reaction to that joke. I'm like, I didn't write that joke. I found that on a dad's joke book, like online, like, 100 best dad jokes or something like that and so I, we wrote a film around it i read that joke and i was like that's hilarious so i wrote the script around it but then you know you're like maybe that's only hilarious to me uh no. but I, I always get the same reaction people love that joke. i don't know who wrote that joke or who can take credit for it uh but it was it was funny to me so yeah. luckily it did well that's incredible i can't imagine um you know, I have no experience uh, in filmmaking with scripted material. Uh, that must be a totally different experience. I mean, other than being on set a couple of days here and there as an actor, I can't imagine being on the other side of the <clears throat> the camera, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it's a blissful torture. It is. I'm the type of person <laughs> that, like, um, I, I love the the chaos of it almost. You know, like, I... I meticulously plan everything I, I i i'm proficient in working in 3d so i'll literally build my scene in 3d and figure out my cameras and 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 have everything, everything perfectly set so then once i get on set i can just throw it all away and do whatever anyway you know like um, it's, it's it's that combination of being overly prepared and also being able to like be flexible in the moment so when when something happens in the moment that's when my that's when I kick in and I'm like, all right, let's figure this out. Let's go. All right. You know, and I, I, kinda, I don't know. I kind of like that. I like being able to figure something out on the spot like that, because once it once you do, you feel like a superhero, you know, but then it, then there's times when it crashes and fails and then you have to watch that scene. Every time you watch the scene, you're like, I hate myself so much. <laughs> so it's kind of like the you know thing where you're like writing your own stuff. So when things are great, it's all you. And when they're bad, it's all you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same 100%. kind of thing. Well, I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, 
if we ever get stuff produced by actual producers and not our bank account, uh, you know, well, that's we can reach out, fly say, in, you can play crazy person. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'll uh, give you whatever crazy about... role you want. I will say that there, <laughs> there there is such a freedom in that. You know, yes, we we can't use the but we can't we're not making hundred thousand dollar million dollar movies, but at you know because it is to anyone yeah it is our money we have the ultimate control the our only mm-hmm. our only uh you know handicap is is our bank account really um and time <laughs> it which, which just turns into time really for some reason i don't know what's wrong with our bank account but yeah. it doesn't self-fulfill it's yeah. faulty it's bs <laughs> yeah i mean i um I would love to talk to more filmmakers about money <laughs> because it's a big, I, yeah. yeah. And it seems like nobody, it seems like I, well, it doesn't seem like I've had a really hard time finding filmmakers who have made a similarly budgeted film, uh, who can, can tell me about the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, either they spent the money, but then didn't really distribute it. And so they made nothing or it's, you know, I don't know, like a <clears throat> what was that guy who ate McDonald's for a year or whatever? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Super yeah. Fat or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, somebody who, like, you know, made a film for $10,000 that, you know, grossed <laughs> a couple million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I don't know. Um, I mean, we, well, I didn't keep a, a proper budget, but I mean, I think we probably, in the end, we probably spent close to $30,000 on this. Mm. Um, and that blows my mind, but that doesn't even like <laughs> doesn't yeah. even register on like the like a uh, act. Uh, That's on, like on barely sex. a micro budget. It's, it's not even a budget itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not it's even like micro barely budget. a micro budget. <clears throat> and so, to me, it feels like such an absurd amount of money. Like I can't believe that we spent that much. But at the same time, I don't know how people are doing it for for cheaper. Um, and then distribution is a whole other beast. I don't know. Have you guys gone through, no, we, through that process? I was going to ask you about like the Netflix and, and how that all that came about. Um, was this on Netflix or it was, was it on Amazon? Amazon? Was it Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Oh, they're all Play, the same. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on everything except for Netflix. Um, that was one piece of advice. One friend uh, just suggested that... Um, well, he said Netflix is where indie films go to die. And he said it because um, the Netflix contracts aren't always great for indie no. filmmakers. Um, They're not as lucrative and, as they once were. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of done. Like everybody has Netflix or has access to Netflix. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that advice was just, hey, like make Netflix like one of the last one of the last things you do because once they've people have, once it's on Netflix, nobody's going to pay to watch it. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah. And so I thought, I thought that was good advice, but I mean, we went with a, uh, we went with Indie Rights, which is a distributor based out of LA. Um, and I had actually become aware of them through a, a podcast. Uh, Linda Nelson, <clears throat> one of the owners had done a number of podcasts and you know, <laughs> distributors don't have a reputation for being particularly, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm going to keep my mouth shut, yeah. but they don't have great <laughs> reputations. Um, and this distributor seemed a lot different. They, they, um, 
I think it was in sync. <laughs> their first film, she and her business partner, their first film was uh, a an IMAX. They they filmed an in sync concert. Oh, in, I remember in, that. In IMAX. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So the short story is that was their first film. It made a ton of money. They kind of got screwed over by their distributor, and that motivated them to like start a distribution company that was more filmmaker forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and. So we had started submitting to just some distributors and we got a few offers, but they were all very standard offers, like 20%. Um, and then uh, I'm sure I'm not telling anyone listening to this that they don't already know, but like uh, marketing fees, mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's properly called, but I think that's a way that a lot of indie filmmakers kind of get destroyed mm-hmm. by distributors is that they'll, you know, maybe it's like a 30,000 or maybe it's even only $15,000 budget for marketing. Um, but that means any sales, any revenue up to that point, yep. like you don't get anything of it. So uh, they were all very standard in that in that regard. And we were kind of leaning towards self-distribution um, using something like, oh, well, that one distributor is, I don't think, around Yeah, anymore. they went down. Um, but there was another one that I'm blanking on, but we were looking at that. I think it was going to be a little over $3,000 to get on just, just iTunes and Google play. And I think Amazon, Amazon also has, I don't know if they still do. I think they have an option to upload your stuff. I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, we were going to go that route and then, uh, indie rights was interested and indie rights, uh, they take 10%. Uh, but they don't do any marketing. They don't do. They don't do anything else. But they get you on all the platforms, mm-hmm. all the like all the platforms. Um, and so we ended up going with them. Uh, I think self distribution would have been really uh, would have been a fine option. That's that's the way we were headed. You know, it was essentially three thousand dollars. So if Indie Rights is taking ten percent, if this film makes more than thirty thousand dollars, we should have distribute it ourselves probably yeah if it if it doesn't well hey we saved ourselves three thousand dollars of uh, money that we didn't have uh right at the end so so that's that's what we did and and it's been great um you know they're very no nonsense like they just they they do their job really well um they got everything on the platforms the they're they're but there's no fluff they're not marketing the film it's not like a you know a long-term yeah how relationship yeah. they're just you know they they're they're doing what they do uh, but honestly like getting them being interested was probably one of the one of my biggest victories just because to me that said hey somebody who's distributed a lot of films who knows the industry um uh, thinks that this film is financially viable. Right. <laughs> I yeah. mean, they wouldn't have been interested if they didn't think they were going to make money. Right. And that was like, not that money was my only concern, but it was this, you know, f- huge fear mm-hmm. eating away at me this whole time was like, what if I've spent all of this money mm-hmm. to make this film and we make $3,000, which fine. This was like, without question, the best uh, therapy to, to <laughs> my mom that I ever could have found. So probably, I probably would have spent more on a good therapist but that was just such a huge fear of mine. <clears throat> and when they when they were interested, that was a, a, a very exciting day for me, at least. But that's how that's how we did it. Um, mm-hmm. That's how we distributed the film. If you can't find distributors who are interested, though, self-distribution is... I haven't done it. But from my hours and hours of research, it's, uh, it seems like a very viable solution, especially in 2020. I feel yeah. like every filmmaker wants to get... 
uh, wants to get a distribution deal <clears throat> for obvious reasons. Like every actor wants to get in the actors union, and then once you're you're in, you're like, oh, well, actually, uh, I'm just paying them a lot of money. And <laughs> I mean, not that I'm not saying yeah, that yeah, aren't worth it, but I'm just saying it's like it's such a goal. But like once you get there, it's like ah. Like, I mean, with the the union, there's obvious perks, but like getting a distributor, like actually, now 20 years ago, it might've been a totally different, yeah, different yeah, yeah. world. 2020, yeah. like, I don't know that that's a huge goal. I mean, it is nice to have the validation sure, and have yeah. someone say like, yeah, we think we can make money off of your film. Um, but I think in the end, like, you know, if, if, if we hadn't gotten the offer from, dis, uh, from Indie Rights, we definitely would have self-distributed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, um, you know, we, we don't, have, we haven't, shot any features or, or, or any we ha- we haven't set a film to go whose goal it is to be distributed you know most of the you know we're right now we're we're making films we're honing our craft we're submitting to festivals we're putting it online so we're kind of still in that stage we could we certainly have the capability of making a feature that could possibly be distributed maybe uh given the right time and and at least half the budget of a normal film you know given the um, right rich, rich person <laughs> but for us it's so important to kind of just really like hone what we're doing and 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 find our voice and 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 um just get better at what we're doing so then when the time comes to do that we're off to the races without much It'll more be prepared. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all it's, it's a very logical it's a way. 10, 12 year process. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been a decade. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, honestly, well, most of it's smart way. Yeah. Most of honestly, most of it's uh, financial restrictions. You know, I'm, I'm sure if someone would have offered me a hundred grand to make a feature, I would have jumped at it at any point, you know, up until now. So it's not like some altruistic thing I'm doing, but mm-hmm. that's the silver lining to being, you know, stuff on it we buy our own equipment so we can go out and make stuff on our own you know and then hopefully you know the opportunity will will be there and if and when it does we'll be prepared you know hopefully i wish i had known that (laughs) it's probably better that i didn't because i never would have made a feature yeah but i didn't realize until uh i guess like film festivals were probably the first moment when i realized that uh, a lot of festivals weren't even taking submissions over 45 minutes. Yeah. A lot oh, of yeah. them were short only uh, film festivals. And then the ones that did have both, um, I think it was really difficult for them to consider features because a lot of those, especially some of the the outdoor film festivals, they, they tour the festival. Um, mm-hmm. So like Banff, Banff film festival is probably like the biggest, most well-known <clears throat> outdoor film festival. And like in Salt Lake City, they come to Salt. I'm in Salt Lake City. They come here for I think four nights and show four different nights of the of the films, and it's sold out every year. Yeah. The whole whole freaking theater is sold out every year. Um, and it's not in a movie theater. It's in like a theater theater, like yeah. a like a two thousand seat auditorium. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard for them to show features on that night. I mean, it's all about yeah. you know, shorts, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a, it's a big. Your feature has to be amazing for them to devote you know an hour. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I didn't know that that was the case. Yeah. Uh, and now I understand why very few people are making features. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not only that. We we our latest film was our longest at twenty. Actually, when we first cut the first cut of the film was thirty minutes, and then everyone's like, no, that you'll never get in festivals with a thirty minute short. It just won't happen. I mean, we cut it down to twenty minutes, and even still, it's and even still, long. it's a bit long. And I, I feel like that's really because it's from a technical standpoint, from a creative and artistic standpoint, it's the best thing we've ever made. But it's it's not doing as well as it's doing well, but it's not doing as well as the previous. It could be any number of reasons: coronavirus, which is everything. It's, 
goes back to being the fault of the coronavirus. But you know, <laughs> right? I, I told you earlier. I've just started blaming. Yeah, but it's it's the runtime. You know, you t- you have a twenty minute short, and a festival can program five four or five minute shorts, and then attract that many more people because then you have those filmmakers coming and then their cast and crew and their yeah. friends and stuff. So I get that, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, 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 um, the film festival game is all about time. You know, if you can tell your story under 10 minutes, you'll do well. We did the gaffer, our film, not this is where I get a little braggadocious, but we did this film, the gaffer and we won a couple awards, you know, we won some festivals and some nice. awards and stuff for it. But there's like no, minutes. there's no, there's no world in which that film is better than our current film from any standpoint, be it technical or creative or whatever. But it, you know, because we were able to tell that story in like seven minutes, mm-hmm. it did better. It does better. So that's yeah. my advice to everybody out there. Shorten your goddamn film. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, this, our, our, uh, once is enough started at almost two hours <laughs> and I knew it needed to be cut, but, uh, my editor was like, Hey, this needs to be cut like a lot, <laughs> uh, but it was really hard. Uh, That's the worst. Yeah. It, it was hard from, cause I, I, I was there. I, I wrote and told all the jokes. I did the run. Like I was there. And so it's been a really interesting process to see what was important to me yeah. and what was important to the audience. Cause mm-hmm. there's moments that were really impactful for me that I'm like, Oh, how could we not include that? But turns out like, no, it's not really integral to the story. And for other people watching from the outside, that really, that moment wasn't yeah. important for yeah. them. And that was hard for me. To yeah. I can only imagine ob- trying to objectively view. Yeah. View Cause we story from the outside. We've cut scenes, you know, obviously plenty of times and it's, it's, you know, sometimes we hate doing it or whatever, but, like when it's something that you've been through and you're like, you don't understand what this scene did to me. I'm showing everybody this goddamn scene. <laughs> yeah. Or like, oh, we hauled that chair to the top of that mountain. We have to use this. Yeah. We have to. Well, nobody else cares. Yeah. You Plus, should make a documentary on the chair. Yeah. <laughs> it deserves it. It was a beautiful. It was actually this color. It was gorgeous mustard colored uh, armchair. And just the amount of footage that you have. Oh. That's a lot of footage documentaries, yeah. Well, yeah. How did you? How did you? Just real quick, before I know we've been talking long, but um, how did you manage all of that media? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> um, because <laughs> uh, you're like here, editor. Here's you know, seventy days worth of footage if you watched it from beginning to end. <laughs> so I transcribed most of the footage uh, that I thought might be of use mm-hmm. um which uh the only reason i need to do that one of our producers who's one of my very best friends works uh in reality television and she she's now a producer but she started as a transcriber which uh everyone probably knows this so it's probably not going to blow anyone else's mind but i didn't realize that like with reality television or with some reality television at least this is one of those uh like uh discovery channel reality shows um mm-hmm. that that she worked on uh i didn't realize that they they have transcribers who watch every moment of footage and create this a script of what actually happened in the footage mm. and the so the the the, the script writing process is essentially reversed instead mm-hmm. of writing the story and then shooting it they shoot a whole bunch of stuff and then get it on paper and then the 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 writers the producers put together a script from the transcription of the actual footage and then they go pull those clips so like so the yeah it's, it just kind of happens in reverse so 
I decided that that's how I should do it. And I'm glad that I did Smart, because yeah. it made it uh, really searchable. But it took me probably two weeks to sit there. I mean, I literally typed out a script and with the file name wow. of every clip that I thought was going to be usable. And I don't know if that was the right way to do it or not, but it did make it easy then when we were trying to piece the story mm-hmm. together to do a quick search and be like, oh, okay, it's in that file. Right, and, right. Uh, and we could go grab it. <clears throat> I'm sure there has to be a better way to do it. <laughs> that was just my way, having no idea how yeah. to do this, yeah. uh, that I did it. Um but like the shipping drives was was really um a huge pain in the butt too. My 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 um like graphics guy was in uh New York, my composer was is is in the Midwest, most of the other team was in LA, and we were constantly having to ship drives um because you know, it would, just, it would literally take days to <laughs> upload, upload the footage, yeah, yeah. Uh, to the cloud. And I was like, I, I can literally mail this to you <laughs> <Yeah>. faster <laughs> than I can upload all this this data. So, so sad. that, I mean, I think at the end I had purchased like 11, mm-hmm. <laughs> 11 uh, hard drives. Yeah. Um, I don't even, what was our initial question? I've really gotten off. That was it. It was just the, the logistics yeah. of all the media just, and everything. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't really, I didn't handle it that well. <laughs> well, it all worked so, out. Yeah. Giving anyone advice. It worked out. Yeah. Live and learn. Yeah. It all worked out. That's yeah. what matters. And, you know, you know I for next learn, time. Yeah. And I did learn right out of the gate to have two copies of everything. We were, mm-hmm. we shot a little teaser for, we did a, a crowdfunding campaign in the very beginning. And I lost a bunch of really useful footage oh. because a drive just went kaput and I didn't have it duplicated. And it was not looking back. If I was going to lose footage, I'm glad that's that's what we lost. But yeah. that that uh, taught me uh, right from from the get go. Yeah. <laughs> One copy of this literally, especially with the documentary, it's literally irreplaceable. Yeah. There's no way you can yeah. if if you don't have the footage. There's no way to recreate it. You can't go do pickup shots. Like you missed it. Yeah. I always try to like once we get back from a shoot, I take the footage, I put it on a drive, and I just store it somewhere, and then yeah, and then I so start smart. working with whatever. I call those teachable moments, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's expensive I, though, man. Footage, it is. Especially Everything when is you're expensive. dealing with like 4K raw footage, which we shoot, you know, narrative stuff. So everything's expensive. Ugh, big files. Everything's expensive. Not- I mean, I have. I have a lot of like I have mics and like random like stuff that. I don't know. I got to start a YouTube channel or something. It's <laughs> going to waste, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got to. I just bought a uh, a really sweet gimbal. Like, why? I'm not doing anything. Right now. I, didn't that. <laughs> I didn't need that. Well, now you're a gimbal owner, you know? Uh, you get yeah. to... I am a gimbal owner, and I love... Um, we had i love drones i love playing with drones i never use them i've never once gotten my money's worth on a drone <laughs> i think it's more a toy than it is yeah. uh useful um we originally had this whole uh, uh so one of my friends bands that's fairly successful has a really amazing song that i love and we had this whole opening for the film uh planned for the opening credits with this song that like started with me in a suit in a cemetery like at my mom's grave and like having an epiphany and just like taking down a gravel road like running and just like running through all types of different like mm-hmm. parts of the world and like and then i end, like I, I, I end up back at her grave yeah <laughs> sort of yeah and then i ended up back at her grave uh and that was just because i wanted to play with a drone <laughs> we, ended up, we ended up cutting it because we just didn't have we didn't have the time to get it finished um but I just bought one of those little, uh, what you call it, nanos. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's not called a nano, but it's like the really tiny, 
like pocket drone yeah, yeah, yeah. from DJI. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> not a sponsor. We're not here to promote products, but it is so fun. I mean, yeah. and we shoot in 2K, so uh, 2.7 or whatever. Um, I'm always doing that. I'm like, oh, my God, I would love a drone. And then I'm like storyboarding, and I'm like trying to figure out how I would use a drone just to do it. Because there's no, there's yeah. no, like, there's very few ways that there's very few times where i'm like there's no way for me to tell this story without a drone <laughs> it's never been like a thing so i want one because they're cool yeah well it, it, i learned although it was our hard... last film had a drone shot in it and it i think it really helped a lot so well that's the thing is is uh i i think it was somebody on youtube but i somebody gave the advice that like if you if it's obvious that it's a drone like you're doing it wrong right yeah. and and that was a good lesson because once i started just just leave the drone in place like it's 40 feet in the air like that's enough to be like wow that's gorgeous you don't have to be like flying yeah, around yeah, exactly, shit, yeah. doing tricks like just let it be a camera in and that's exactly that, what know, our shot is it's literally just a shot and yeah. then it just kind of drifts Looking up a little down bit at the and woods yeah that's it yeah and it's yeah, that's it, all it needs to be yeah. well and done. this was a long one i you, love talking to you no, sorry yeah, no Talk I, to your ear off no no i love it you've done good we we really enjoyed this moment if you guys haven't seen it go check it out we'll have um not on the, netflix not on netflix because i'm an idiot <laughs> whatever um we'll have all the links to everything mm-hmm. and yep. um sir sure will oh i look forward to you doing something else i think I you're gonna do something else I mr know. sir <laughs> Uh, probably I'm, I'm not smart enough not to. So I think you're right. <laughs> we'll see what it's going to be. And if anybody out there because... wants to do uh, a, a male version of Ursula, reach out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If you're looking for a chubby ginger, Ursula, <laughs> you got my number. That's right. He's going to kill it. He's going to have drone shots in his rider. Drone so. shot Ursula. <laughs> uh. <laughs> or else. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on. Um, you know, we, we look forward to staying in touch with you when you do something else. We'll have you back on and, uh, and oh my gosh, yeah. thank you so much for, for, for being on our little show. Yeah. A little show. Well, thanks for having me on your big show. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Have a good one. You too. So that was Jeffrey. That was a long one. That was good. Yeah. Lots of fun. We just kept yakking. Yeah. He's so easy to talk to. Yeah. I don't really want to, I don't want to play favorites, you know, cause it, you're, <laughs> you're, your podcast guests are like your children. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to love them all the same. Yeah. Um, but you know, he just like, like on a personal level, I could totally hang out with him. Yeah. Sounding like too a crazy bad. stalker. So far away. Otherwise we, it'd be easier to stalk him. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? We're coming for you. Um, yeah. So I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Talking to him because the movie was so good. Yeah, buddy. You should see that movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, get on it. Yeah, we'll link to it. Link to it. Um, and so we have, uh, let's see, we have guests for next week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're waiting for their audio file, though, so I'm not going to say anything yet. Because if we don't get it in time, <laughs> egg on my face. Yeah. So, um, but we do have a guest for next week. Uh, we're also, we're going to be filming for the next Film Riot Challenge yep. ourselves next week. So we'll have to f- figure out a way to fit that in somehow. Yep. Uh, just the, the, in one of the next couple of episodes, or maybe we'll do like, um, I don't know. Something. We can do extra episodes. It's not like there's a law that's like, no, you've already done your, you've, fu- you fulfilled your, your episode 
quota for the week. You're not allowed to do another one. I think um, I think iTunes breaks if you do <laughs> they, more than you say you're going to send. Get, they send over somebody you know, to smack cease you. Cease and desist. Um, yeah. So uh, shout outs to MoGraph. There you go. Just going <laughs> to let you have that. Yep. Um, Reality Bomb Comic Cast, Steady Geekin', Not Up for Debate. Again, if you have any films, anything that uh, you want us to see, send it our way. Send them our way. We're here for you. We're here for you. And we'll talk to you like we talked just now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to, that was going to keep going somewhere. No. I was like, what's happening? Um, so like when you, when you're talking, you start a sentence before you've realized how you're going to finish it. Like you just did right now. Yeah. <laughs> you do that constantly. I know. Because I just want, I'm so excited to start talking. You have 15 points that you want to make yeah. at the same time. And so then you start making a point and then you will contradict yourself in that point. You love to say things like, I wonder if the issue when you're on set is that, because you know what it is, when you're on set. <laughs> like a, a movie set. So is... you obviously know what the issue yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, fun too, times. Too many, there's too many, like, there's, you know there's a there's like that Homer Simpson gif of like the the monkey yeah. slapping the the symbols together. Yep. You have like a whole army of them, and they're all fighting. Yeah, it's like Fight Club in there, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're it's all trying to get. Never a problem that I don't have something to say. Yeah. I usually have too many things to say. Too many things in that noggin. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next week with hopefully a guest. We'll yeah. See how it works. We'll see how it works, and hopefully <laughs> we'll survive this uh, this shoot. Uh -huh. Come out in one piece because few. Again, no help. Yeah. And this one's even more complicated. Yeah, it is. So. Shit. Yep. Bye. Bye.